Hello, my name is Danielle Petherbridge. And I'm Natalia Burakovska. And our paper today is on an embodied cognitive approach to dementia. And what we want to do in this paper is to critically examine approaches to dementia that are exclusively framed in terms of diminished cognitive capacity and therefore very much focused um, on ideas about memory and loss of communication skills and loss of personhood. And in that sense, what we want to suggest is that these approaches are very one-sided and that they neglect the important embodied dimensions of persons, both as subjects in the world and in their interactions with others. So we want to put forward an alternative approach, and we think this is important not only in terms of addressing issues such as personhood and dynamic interaction, but also has ramifications for assessment and care. So the paper proceeds as follows. First, we want to look a little more closely at conventional approaches to dementia. Then we want to move on to look at promising new directions in dementia research, particularly those that look at relational and dynamic forms of communication before moving to develop an alternative embodied cognitive account of persons, drawing on phenomenology and an associated account of personhood. And finally, we then look at the ramifications of this approach for assessment and care. So firstly, to consider contemporary discourses on dementia. In this sense, medical and psychological and clinical discourses on dementia tend to be framed as mentioned in terms of cognitive decline and diminishment of linguistic skills. And one of the most generalized understandings of dementia and views of dementia is that it's a disorder where significant decline from one's previous level of cognition causes interference in everyday functioning, social functioning, occupational and domestic functioning. And this approach, this framework is very much uh, framed in terms of cognition and linguistic skills, uh, despite which form of dementia we're talking about, but here we're predominantly interested in Alzheimer's disease. So our uh, critique of, of this framework and the predominance of the discourses on dementia that use this kind of framework, if it tends to focus on individuals and individualistic ideas about the brain and brain function. And in that sense, the, although medical imaging and brain scans are very important in terms of clinical diagnosis, we argue that they neglect the personal and relational aspects of the illness, which we think can be better incorporated alongside clinical diagnosis and care. Some of the most common assumptions and descriptors about dementia, both in medical discourse and in Western culture, are that it is assumed that persons with dementia suffer from loss of self or loss of personhood. Um, this is associated with memory loss. There's a loss of subjectivity and autonomy, a turn inwards. There's the assumption that nonverbal means an entire loss of communication and that uh, persons with dementia are not capable of intersubjective or relational capacities. Uh, what we wish to draw attention to is that these common descriptors and assumptions of dementia point to a prevailing and strong Cartesianism um, in both scientific inquiry and medical treatment of the body. The body is treated as a machine, as an object that either works well or it doesn't, one that uh, can be 
fixed with medication and one that can malfunction. Um, this in turn creates an intimate link in medical discourse and in healthcare between the notion of a healthy brain and one's ability to express oneself and assert one's agency. This is because it is seen that healthy cognition is, can be equated to or is a marker of selfhood or expression of selfhood. This in turn neglects the, um, the lived body or the subjective body in medical discourse and medical assessments of dementia. Um, in turn, there is a, uh, a heavy link between um, the, the machinery and taking care of the body as a machine, um, so providing it with basic needs such as feeding, bathing, and generalized activities like watching the TV. Uh, but what is largely left out then is engagement with the lived body or um, intercorporeal or embodied communication with persons with dementia. Um, in a meaningful way. Um, what results from this is that often because persons with dementia uh, cannot communicate verbally um, and they do have motil uh, diminished motility, uh, if they are not engaged with in a meaningful embodied way, they turn inwards, meaning that they cease to communicate with others and communicate with their environment and they are no longer able to express themselves. And it is assumed because of this that they no longer uh, have subjectivity or personhood. Following on from this, what we also want to challenge following Muller and Schrauf is that cognitive approaches are also based on individualistic views of cognition. And we find this argument very persuasive because there's a problem with such cognitive approaches dominating diagnostic accounts and particularly ideas about communications with persons with dementia. Uh, so Muller and Schrauf seek to offer an alternative account that does not consider cognition as a set of dissociable skills, nor ones that are exclusively associated with the individual brain as such. So they very much are interested in an interactive notion of cognition. And in this sense, we agree and with this approach in the sense that particularly for persons with dementia, this has quite significant ramifications when we rethink cognition in interactive terms. In that sense, the other critique of conventional approaches to dementia is that skills and deficiencies are measured in individuals um, in a decontextualized manner. And the argument is that this is problematic and that in terms of assessing persons who might potentially have dementia, that this should not be done in a clinical setting in a decontextualized way. And that the entire cognitive apparatus should not be taken to be equal to these kinds of deficiencies in skills that are often the outcome of clinical diagnosis in any given individual. What often results then from this Cartesian and cognitivist approach to dementia is that when someone with dementia or suspected of having dementia uh, goes under assessment in order to determine the level and uh, quality of care that they need, Cognitive assessments are administered in order to determine the level of diminishment and the level of assistance that the person needs. Uh, the two most common used tests for this purpose are the mini mental state examination and the Montreal cognitive assessment. 
Both of these tests rely almost entirely on verbal feedback and cognitive abilities, such as the ability to recall information, report on time and location, to use language meaningfully in a way that the person administering the test can understand, and to name objects. Persons with dementia are then asked to fulfill these tasks and they are scored on how well they perform. What we wish to draw attention to is that oftentimes with per persons who are considered nonverbal or and have diminished motility automatically score a zero out of 30 on these tests. And then this is used in order to determine uh, the kind of care that the person needs. Uh, what happens then is that because there is this perceived intimate link in medical discourse and healthcare about um, a healthy brain and cognition and selfhood is that if a person scores zero out of 30 or scores very low out of 30, they are perceived to no longer have subjectivity or to lack personhood. And again, the care plans um, are centered around basic care, but this care is one dimensional and incomplete because it doesn't give the carers and the nurses and the doctors instructions on how to engage the lived body. Um, our argument then is that this confining view of dementia to cognitivist and linguistic skills continues to offer a narrow and one-dimensional approach to persons with dementia. And what follows is incomplete um, or inappropriate care. What we wish to do is highlight um, the intercorporeal and intersubjective aspects and dimensions of dementia in order to focus on a phenomenological uh, perspective and approach to dementia care that emphasizes forms of dynamic engagement and embodied engagement that helps to uh, foster and bring out uh, interactions that help persons with dementia express their subjectivity and express their personhood. Now, there have already been some pioneering and very innovative uh, work and research undertaken by uh, a range of people, uh, specifically uh, Kitwood, who asks the very important question, are people with dementia devoid of subjective experience? And the answer to that question is a resounding no. Of course, they are not devoid of subjective experience. And he puts forward very persuasive arguments about the importance of intersubjectivity and relationality, uh, as well as a shared world. Um, but particularly in terms of subjectivity, argues that we should not consider that the internal world of persons with dementia is so disordered and bizarre that they can no longer be addressed as persons or be engaged in meaningful forms of communication and relationality. In that sense, there's an important argument here that agency is not held intact solely by memory. And this is important because often in terms of diagnoses of dementia, the focus by clinical approaches and medical approaches is on memory. And of course that has consequences for thinking about um, personhood and agency. So the argument is that in old age generally, um, it's the situated nature of individuals that help to maintain agency and personhood. And therefore, individuals need to be seen in essential interrelationship with others and the world. Uh, Hughes and Hughes, Lau and Sabat have also uh, some very important work in this regard. And Hughes argues that um, meaning is not given merely in linguistic terms or by language, but much more importantly, it's about a shared world and about a shared context or a form of life in terms of the importance in understanding and communicating with a person, particularly those with dementia. So very much we uh, follow Kitwood's claim when he makes a strong case for what he terms a bold and wholehearted venture into, into, into subjectivity when engaging with persons with dementia.
In terms of developing a phenomenological approach to dementia, perhaps one of the first elements to point out in developing particularly an embodied cognitive account is that phenomenologists have long argued about the importance of the body and how the body is essential to forms of consciousness and gives us access to the other's mental states through movements and bodily comportment, through expressions and gestures. And as Gallagher and Zahavi have argued, mental states then are not simply or purely mental, they are in fact bodily states. And this is particularly important when we're thinking about dementia. So this view of embodied mind does not just challenge the Cartesian view of the mind, but also points to the important intersubjective historical generative and cultural aspects of embodied minded subjects. Following then the phenomenology of Merleau-Ponty, it is possible to argue that embodied subjects cannot be considered in isolation, but they are always conceived of as embedded in the social. Um, Merleau-Ponty emphasizes the embodied nature of subjectivity and the ways in which um, ourselves, our embodied selves are constituted intersubjectively and intercorporeally from the background of a shared world. Uh, furthermore, according to Merleau-Ponty, the body constitutes a precognitive uh, familiarity with both ourselves, our bodies, um, and also a prelinguistic precognitive uh, familiarity with the world. Therefore, I am able to prelinguistically prelinguistically uh, pre and precognitively express thought um, attitude through bodily gestures. Um, and because we encounter the other as primarily an embodied subject, uh, my body perceives the body of another and recognizes a familiar way of dealing with the world and of expression. So when I see that my friend is crying after failing a test, I am able to extrapolate that she is sad because I recognize a familiar way of expressing thought through gesture and of interacting with the world. Um, this intercorporeality and this shared embodiment further means that we are always open to or always vulnerable to being affected and to affect the other and the world um, through our bodily engagement. Um, therefore, this precognitive, pre-linguistic familiarity that I have with myself and the world um, is meaningful to me. And because it is meaningful to me, it is meaningful to the other. And because I encounter the other as primarily embodied, their bodily gesture and their bodily engagement with the world is meaningful to me. Um, Carl takes up this, uh, Shaw takes up this argument and advances uh, Merleau-Ponty's argument to highlight that uh, the notion of the embodied self and bodily engagement um, is not fixed, it's not static, it is continuously an emerging self that is um, endlessly achieved as a relational and, and situational. And when I interact with the world and when I interact with the other, I am always expressing a self in you, it is never static. Um, this means that because this is pre-linguistic and pre-cognitive, um, this uh, way of dealing with the other and dealing with the world and expressing a self survives um, uh, cognitive diminishment in persons with dementia and uh, diminished motility and um, loss of verbal communication. So in cases where 
a person with dementia is no longer able to communicate her thoughts, her attitude, her needs uh, verbally, she's able to communicate them to me through her gesture, uh, through, for example, muscles tensing, facial expressions and eye movements, then I am then able to interpret because I already have a familiarity with my own body and how it expresses um, these thoughts and attitudes through bodily gesture. Building from this, and specifically from a phenomenological view then, what's important for an account of dementia is also an account of personhood, specifically an embodied cognitive and recognitive view of personhood. And in this sense, Kristen Zeller has undertaken some very important work in critiquing notions of personhood that she argues failed to acknowledge the role of embodiment in personhood. And in doing so, she critiques what she terms monadic cognitive accounts of personhood as well as monadic embodied accounts of personhood and instead argues for a mixed account that's very much uh, where the cognitive and embodied uh, account is, is very much important uh, that moves beyond simply those monadic accounts such that neither cognition or embodiment uh, is isolated in comparison to the other. Um, and in that sense, she argues that a person should not be taken to be a unified being, um, not only if she can express herself through speech, but through gesture and bodily forms or through interactions with others. But in addition to this embodied cognitive account, this mixed account of personhood, uh, what's also very important is that a person should be considered as such if he or she is recognised by another as a person. So in other words, recognition is also a condition for personhood. And we argue that this is a very important consideration and should be very much uh, moved to the fore in terms of understanding personhood for those with dementia. And in this sense, we argue that Axel Honneth's account of affective and normative recognition is crucial in this regard. Uh, our main concern then is to examine the ramifications of such an approach to dementia and personhood on dementia care. And in order to do so, we want to highlight uh, two examples uh, that draw on uh, the, the phenomenological account of personhood that we have provided. Uh, the first one is wandering, uh, walking or, or free movement. Um, as previously mentioned, According to Merleau-Ponty, we have a precognitive familiarity with the world. The world calls out to us, it solicits a response from, from us. Uh, things in the world um, and the world itself is either repulsive or attractive. And I either want to be drawn towards them, I'm either drawn towards them or I am uh, repulsed by them. Um, in the case of dementia care, however, um, there is a lack of staffing, lack of education and lack of funds. And often what results then is that persons with dementia are unable to express themselves or prevented from expressing themselves in a bodily engagement with the world. One example of this is that persons with dementia very often uh, shuffle or drag their feet. Um, and whenever they try to stand up or walk or wander, they are prevented from doing so by the care, by either the care of walking the path or uh, forcing the person to sit back down. However, what can be seen is that because we have this primary way of engaging with the world that not only um, is our primary way of interacting with the world, but it's also our, our primary way of being. Um, 
that it can survive cognitive diminishment and be expressive of the self. For example, if a person with dementia stands up and walks out into the garden and begins interacting with the rose bush, this is equal to her saying that she loves flowers. And if there's someone there, if there's a care there to facilitate her engaging with the flowers, help her walk over um, and interact with the flowers with the person with dementia, there's a lot that she can learn about the needs, the wants, um, the attitudes, the personality, the likes and dislikes of the person that she's caring for. Um, and it can help to foster um, uh, this um, expressive selfhood um, through the way that persons with dementia interact with the world. Uh, one place that has been very successful in implementing this um, this mode of engagement is the Hithic uh, Dementia Village in the Netherlands, where it is built in a way that is safe for persons with dementia, but it also allows them to interact with their environment in a meaningful way in order to express themselves. So they are able to go shopping or perform certain tasks that they would throughout their lives. And they are able to indicate what is attractive and what is not attractive to them and their likes and dislikes. The second example that we have um, of the way that persons with dementia express themselves is through embodied and dynamic um, engagement and communication. Um, forms of expressive self and embodied communications are fostered through the dynamic engagement with the other. So this is something that is pointed out by uh, Zeller and Shaw and Contas in that uh, persons with dementia often have diminished motility and um, no longer able to communicate verbally and therefore what they require is a meaningful and dynamic engagement uh, in an embodied way. This can take the this can take form in um, the care walking up to the person with dementia who is seated, taking her hand, maybe singing or playing music that is meaningful or familiar to the person with dementia and they begin to sway together move together uh, maybe even dance together and in this way the person with dementia forms a dynamic shared space of engagement and communication with the carer where she's able to express herself um, both in the primary way in which we engage with the other and the world but also her likes and dislikes um, and this is one of this is a primordial capability that we have that gives rise to the self and self-expression. And this is something that Shaw points out in that the way that persons with dementia engage with the other and engage with the world is really quite unremarkable because it is the way in which we engage with each other on a daily basis. We engage with each other in, a, in an embodied way. And this is something that Contas also points to in that the way that I engage with the other oftentimes is through gesture, through uh, facial expressions, prolonged eye contact. Uh, bodily communication, such as holding a gaze for a prolonged period of time, can express um, either anger, dissatisfaction, seduction, humor. And our argument is that if embodiment is built into the model of care and built into um, assessments on how to, um, how to provide care for persons with dementia, then carers will uh, be provided with ed education that will help them to... Um, uh, that will help them to attune to uh, the person that they are engaging with and help them to interpret uh, their bodily communication and help them better to take care of the person that they are engaging with. So in that respect, we also argue that in order to be attuned to, to the other person, to persons with dementia, take some form of understanding of vulnerability. But this is not just about vulnerability 
of the person with dementia, it's also, in, we argue, this idea that vulnerability is a constitutive element for all persons. So it's very much a notion that um, vulnerability is also very central to a phenomenological approach, particularly in terms of our embodiment, being open to the world and to others, and therefore our primary interdependence and intercorporeality as human beings. So we argue that it's important to think about reciprocal vulnerabilities, not only for people diagnosed with dementia, but also for carers and family members who also feel vulnerable or have to make themselves vulnerable to be able to communicate in a range of different ways. So in conclusion, what we want to do in our approach going forward and what we've tried to communicate today is that we want to give credence to the lived experience of persons with dementia. We want to very much stress the situated and context dependent nature of persons with dementia, as well as uh, develop an embodied cognitive account and also an associated notion of personhood that also requires recognition from others. We also want to stress the importance of alternative forms of communication and dynamic engagement brought together with an understanding of mutual vulnerability. And this provides an alternative basis for care. And this is one that should not just be treated as an add-on to basic care needs, but a foundational aspect. Thank you. Thank you.